So we're on Philippians. This is the last section of Philippians. And I'm just going to literally read um, the last section of the verse of the chapter. Is that all right? So it should be coming up on the screen. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. It was good of you to share my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts, what I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Ephroditus the gifts you have sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me, send greetings. And all God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. So it's been a great series, hasn't it? Philippians, I'm sure you'll agree, we've had a wonderful variety as usual. And if you've missed a week, can I encourage you to catch up on the podcast? Um, and uh, if you're not sure how to do that, you can get a Junction 10 app, which you can download from the Apple Store. Um, so I'm just, this is, you have to search it on Google or Bing, okay, to start with. Um, and then what you do is you log in, you'll send us uh, an email and we can send you a code and you'll then get that back. Then what you do is you download the app onto your phone, whether it's Android or Apple, you get the app and there it is. Okay, that's what it looks like in the App Store or the Android Store. And then what you do is you then it'll, you'll be able to log in. So if you see the three lines at the bottom next to the bell, you click onto there and then you should be able to log in with your name. Sometimes it has a bit of a, a bit of a, funny one so you just delete you just log out of it and then log back in or you might have to delete it and then uh, and then load it back up but it is constantly being updated and then from there you can access stuff like the podcast we should see the next one so this is my screen so I just screenshotted it so you could see so the one in the middle is what you kind of get and you can put your availability in so if you're on a rotor you can put when you're on holiday um, if 
you're on teams. So if you can see, I've got lots of teams. You might only have one or two, but you'll be on a team and then you can see when your rotor is and it comes up and shows you what you're going to be doing. Okay. And then uh, you can see I've already put my holiday in. So uh, you will know when I'm on holiday now. Don't tell anybody. All right. <laughs> okay. So if you aren't getting emails or texts from us as a church at Junction 10 regularly, then it may be that we've either got your wrong email or, or might even just the wrong kind of digit and it means that you don't get it. So make sure if you've changed your email, if you've changed your, your mobile phone, that you let us know and then we can update it and then we can send that stuff. So I asked Eric to uh, speak to us today because recently we had a stewards meeting and there was an overwhelming request from the stewards. And that from that team, and they said we wanted to make sure, they wanted us to make sure that people had more of an opportunity to give. And they stated that people were potentially being denied a blessing from God because of not being able to give easily. And things have changed with COVID, haven't they? We stopped sending the bucket round because of passing pestilence and disease. And then it was a case of we looked at possibly sending it back round and then nobody's got cash. So everybody's like just passing it round and it's another empty bucket passed round. <laughs> so it seemed a bit kind of, you know. So we've been looking at lots of different things. But um, when I came out of the meeting, I thought, you know what? It would fit really well with the section that I was talking on, on Philippians, to hear some stories about what happens with our finances when this section uh, comes to it. So I asked him to share specifically around finance and money because it was a perfect fit for this section in 10 to 23 of chapter 4. So Eric, thank you for sharing your story with us. So this just fits into really two simple sections, this section of scripture. And the first one is being content. Paul thanks the Philippian church for the gifts that they've sent him and the way that they've blessed him. And he talks to them about contentment and of being content. And he speaks of the familiar verse 12, that whether in need or plenty, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. And this is a packed statement. The word being is tied to content. So it's ongoing. And being content is a choice that is ongoing. And then to have the word learnt indicates that this is not something that's involuntary. For example, there are things that are involuntary. I deal with this all the time when we talk about brainstem and what's, what are those functions of involuntary things. So, for instance, if, uh, Prof Beggs nodding away on the front going, yes, that's right, involuntary actions. So if, for instance, I, uh, something comes towards my eye, I blink involuntary. None of you have to sit there and think, I must remember to breathe because it happens involuntary. There are certain things that are involuntary, but then there are other things like withdrawing a, a limb if you've had some pain. But there are other things that we have to learn, things like learning to walk, learning to swim, learning to drive. They are life skills that we have to master. 
And being content is something of a life skill. And it is something that God says that we need to learn. And that's what Paul was saying. So how do you learn to be content? Well, essentially, that means that you're going to experience times of little and times of not enough. (laughs) And I'm confident that all of the people sat in this room, many of you, most of you will have experienced times of very little and times of stories that you could potentially share. But also, without realising without realising it, we're used to times of plenty. For example, when we make a cup of tea, we're often thinking, no, I'm not going to have those biscuits, or how many biscuits am I going to limit myself to? Which means that we have got plenty. Doesn't it? (laughs) I can see there's some discussion already going around about whether they're having biscuits or their tea, but anyway. So what is Paul encouraging, uh, encouraging the Philippians to do is to be content and actually rely on Jesus and that Jesus is their focus. Craving after money and things is really dissatisfying and it can lead to an appetite that can never be fulfilled. The attitude from Paul is, I'm fine. I am genuinely fine. If I lose something, okay. If I live in a five-star hotel, okay. The way to learn contentment is to actually have times where you don't have enough. Parents, whilst you might want to cover everything of your children's needs, we don't need to supply for their greed. And if you have had everyone provided for as a child, the lesson of being content is actually really challenging and really difficult. I know when our kids were little, um, oh, there is one of them still in here. Uh, We, they would write a list, but we would look at the list and we would choose what things we weren't going to buy. Because... For us, there was a real value system that we didn't want them to have everything because we wanted them to learn that you don't get everything on the list. Does that make sense? Because in life, we felt that otherwise we were going to be setting them up for failure because in their adult life, they may not be able to afford everything. And therefore, sometimes you need to learn that it's okay to not have everything. So if you're in that stage where you're feeling a bit guilty or a bit worried that you may not be able to provide everything, do you know what? It's okay. Because God is teaching your children and your family how to be content. So, being content is a a challenge for all of us. We live in a culture of consumerism with a constant drive for stuff and things. And peer pressure, let me tell you, if you hadn't realised, is not just for teenagers. We claim it's just for teenagers, but in actual fact, it can be for all of us. That it can sneak up on top of us and then we suddenly think, oh, 
suddenly I'm thinking, oh, I need that next new thing or I need that next new thing. Do you? Do you? You don't? Verse 13 is famous and I've done it myself where I separated it from the context and misquoted it where it says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. But this often comes across in a bit of a superhero kind of fashion of kind of, you know, I can do all things, you know, da-da. But in actual fact, it's tied to that verse. And when we set it in context, it is saying that with need, and plenty with hunger, with living in want. And I'm sure all of us have had times where we've been in want. Paul is saying that whatever the circumstance of your want or need, Jesus will help you through these times. Which at the time now, that's actually really encouraging when we're in a place where people are struggling to pay bills and things are feeling a bit tight, that God is saying, I am going to help you in the middle of this cost of living crisis. I'm going to help you. So I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have in plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. So the second point is the joy of giving. To find out about the needs of those around you and experience the joy of meeting those needs. Paul also encourages the kindness from the Philippians that they inquired of Paul's circumstances and his needs and then they helped. You need a good relationship to do this, but we are called to inquire of one another. Within the community, needs are not always financial, we heard from Eric beautifully. It was like as though I'd set him up for that, but I hadn't. Um, uh, around his marriage, sometimes it's it's helping with the with a bit of uh, catering. If you're having a party or something that we're doing, or a bring and share, or some food if somebody's struggling. So each of us, sometimes it's skills or expertise. I know there's been a few times where I've known somebody that there's been a they've needed a something and I've been able to speak to somebody in the J10 community. Can you do such and such and help so-and-so? Oh yeah, no problem. And so we connect people up to one another and then we meet the needs within our community. Some of you are in places of positions where you're of influence in in the local community and you're at tables where you're setting policies and standards. You know, we are influencers in our community and in our nation and we can change culture. The NHS celebrated 75 years this week and it originated from people working together. I looked it up, even though I've been in the NHS for 33 years. I thought, oh, I'll just quickly look this up because it is quite sort of, it's been a big celebration this week. And there was a guy called William Beveridge and he found himself working in Whitehall and he was commissioned to lead an inquiry into social services. And his vision was to battle against what he he found to be the five giants. And the five giants were idleness, Ignorance, 
disease, squalor, and want. And uh, one of the proposals was for a free national health service. And he alienated some politicians, but it struck a chord with the public and it would influence um, uh, Clement Attlee's uh, Labour government. And then there was a Welsh health minister who then took it up. Uh, and I I'm not, don't know whether I've got the pronunciation, and I haven't even got Jeff in the house, but I have got a Welsh, a Welsh friend in um, uh, Philip Miles. Um, so it's an, an Iron Bevan, an Iron. Say, an Iron Bevan, who was born to a working class family whose father was a minor and a Baptist, and his mother was a Methodist, and he was the one that actually got the NHS over the line. And the NHS made an immediate impact on the health and imagination of the nation. And in 1952, bearing in mind the, the report that uh, Beveridge did was in 1948, okay, so we are going back some time. So in 1958, he said that the essence of a satisfactory health service is that the rich and the poor are treated alike, that poverty is not a disability and that wealth is not advantaged. And so out of the five giants that Beveridge had identified, they tackled ignorance and disease, and then there were other social reforms that were tackling squalor and idleness. But what I was struck by was the fact that the fifth um, giant that they identified in the 1940s was want. And I was thinking, well, that's exactly the same as it is today. Want. And that's exactly the same as what Paul was saying when he was saying, you need to learn to be content. In Luke chapter 3, it says, anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none. And anyone who has food should do the same. The tax collector said, what should we do, Jesus? And they sa he said, don't collect more than you should do. Then, it, then they asked, what, what else should I do? And he said, don't extort money from people and be content with your pay challenging words aren't they here we have again being content but in these words about sharing I was I have to say I was raised in a home where um it was hospitable uh, me and my sister, we had enough rooms for everybody to have a room each, but my mum and dad had a value that they wanted to be hospitable. So me and my sister had to share a room. So we shared a room in order to supply a spare room for people so that they could come and stay with us. I have to say, it's a bit of a principle we've carried on. Um, so uh, Zach ended up in the tiny room. But anyway, that's another story. I remember regularly people would come round and they would be fed. Everybody got fed in our house. Uh, at the roast dinners, all the rest of it. Somebody would say, we need to bring this family home. So mum would just go, oh yeah, that's fine, that's fine. I'd be in the kitchen with her and I'd go, mum, have we got enough? She went, it's fine, we'll just put some more veg on. It'll be fine, it'll all spread out, don't worry. So she gave me, she taught me that you just spread it out. And I used to watch her and she would just have less. Because how much did you really need? Yeah, you don't need as much stuff, do you? So she would just have less. And that is a principle that we need to pass on, isn't it? It's a principle that we need to take on because we still have, we still got plenty. 
Paul is saying to the Philippians, he was thankful for their gifts, that he was content whether they gave them or whether they didn't. But it wasn't the kind of relationship where he's dependent on it. He could cope with less. He'd be fine anyway. And this is a mature attitude and a healthy relationship that was based on 1 Corinthians 13 about love, true love. At Junction 10, we rarely talk about financial giving. But as with everything, God challenges us to step up. And for example, are you giving you 10%? And if you are, are you gift aiding it? Um, because the government will give us money on top of that because of your obedience. When I was 18, I developed a habit of tithing. And it was really, really difficult and really hard. But now I've learned and I've experienced such abundance. I could give so many stories, much as Eric was. And I know that there are people in this congregation that could say, if we could have somebody and would fill the whole service with the stories of how God has provided for them. But generosity is about your relationship with God. He needs to come first. And the first 10% is what you give him. And then you live on the 90% that's left. And for those of you that have never heard this, it sounds really challenging. But I can testify that the 90% stretches way more than you think it does. When I've struggled, God has led me to places where I've either found a job or I've had promotion or I've had better pay prospects or stuff has just stretched. He's led me all the way through. And the advantage that we have in Junction 10 as elders is that we've chosen not to know about anybody who gives. So I can stand here with confidence looking out to all the different faces I haven't got a clue of you, who gives and who doesn't give. So my attitude is, uh, there's no judgment looking out on you in any way, shape or form. Because I don't know whether you're a phenomenal giver or whether you've never put anything in the bag at all. So from that point of view, it's irrelevant to me because it's about where is your relationship with God? Because God has led us. And he's leading us on. And that's the same attitude that Paul had. It's not about Junction 10's bank balance. It is about your relationship with God. Where are you with it? I've had so many different things. I've had lots of times where I've been really skint. I've had no food in the cupboard. I've had no petrol. I've had phone calls from the bank. And the credit card companies don't care when they call you. For anyone that has experienced it, and I'm not asking anybody to reveal that. And it's human nature to feel like you want a magic wand to just take it away. But sometimes you have to do the hard work. You have to make a plan. You have to sort out an agreement. And you have to pay stuff back. And then you have to pay what you owe. And then you stop yourself from buying and wanting more stuff. We have to meditate on scripture. I have received full payment and have more than enough. And I am amply supplied. And my God will supply every need according to the riches in his glorious 
Christ Jesus. We may find that God, you may find that God's prompting you to give and be generous. It provides such pleasure between us and God. It brings delight when we're generous. God makes our money stretch. And there are different levels of generosity. Some are naturally gifted in this area and some have to work at it. Generosity comes in different forms. Some is financial giving, some is time, some is resources. To name just a few, I could go on for a long time, but I won't. I remember when we moved from the, as a church from 323 Wolverhampton Road and I was mortified at the amount of stuff that we had stuffed in cupboards and rooms. And I remember God impressing on me that we were to use what we had already got. He impressed it on me so much that I did it at home as well. And there is stuff that as a church, we have saved money because we have used the stuff that we've got. We saved money at home because I found stuff, I tidied stuff up, I got stuff in cupboards and I used what we got. And I found that God stretched a whole load of stuff a lot further. Some of you might be feeling a bit indignant. And maybe you didn't want to hear about this and how rude am I to talk about money. And, and you, but you know what? That, that's, not, that's not from me. If you're having any sort of anything going through your head or any sort of sense of guilt, that is the enemy's handiwork. It's not from God. You may find that the Holy Spirit be prompting you or reminding you of an agreement that you've made with him. You see, he wants to help us and teach us. Do you need to give some money to meet a need? It's not just their need you're meeting. You'll be moving on in your faith journey. Adam and I have experienced, um, we do our finances together. I know everybody does it differently. It goes in one pot and then it's a case of we, we do our, our, we put our bit for God and then we give gifts on top of that. And God gave us a scripture right at the very beginning when we were just at the very early stages of courting from Deuteronomy 32, where it says, one can fight 1,000, two can fight 10,000. Don't miss out on whether it's giving a cup of tea, whether it's a coat, whether it's a gift of money, whether it's listening to somebody, whether it's sharing the good news of Jesus or praying for somebody. Let's be like the Philippians. Let's meet the needs within the community. Now, right at this very last point, there's this little bit that amuses me massively. And it's in verse 22. And it's where, you know, when you've had a conversation with somebody and you're thinking, oh, I need to go now. And they go, by the way, you know, that little thing. And you think, flipping heck, that was like the most significant thing of that conversation I've had with somebody. That's this bit in, in, uh, for Paul. So he's in prison, right? He's, he's locked up. He's got no real facilities. He's, saying, he's remembering how thankful he is. And then he says, I'll pass on the, you greet, the greetings. Pass on greetings. Um, you know what we say, remember me to your mom, remember me to your dad. And uh, people go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And half of you don't remember, you don't even pass it on, half of you. Um, but anyway, aside from that, um, 
then he says, he said, passes on greetings and he says, um, I'm sending, I'm sending uh, greetings from all the saints in Caesar's household, which basically means that he has been sharing the gospel and people have been coming to know Jesus whilst he's in prison. How amazing is that? That is like, oh my days, how amazing is Paul? So he's saying be content when he sat in prison. He said, keep on giving and be generous and experience the joy of giving. And then he's saying, and I've still got people coming to know Jesus, even though they're, they're chaining me up and they're, uh, they're denying me all these different things. You know, and you're kind of like, how amazing is that? This has been an incredible letter. And we've covered stuff about prayer and thanksgiving and, uh, and Kev covered stuff around our focus on Jesus and humility. Phil Miles spoke about knowing Jesus and our relationship with him. And Sue concluded with, uh, with Sue then finished chapter three, encouraging us to press on and stand firm in him. Jeff spoke about the first part of the chapter four about peace, the absence of strife, anxiety, and the presence of God. And finally today, our encouragement is learn to be content, find the joy in giving, and see God's kingdom come wherever you are. Thank you.